Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are we doing? It was good when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Was that good news today? You get up, go to church this morning. That's where you want to be. It's a good way to start the week. Where's our Kentucky fans? Raise your hand. All right, you people need to be praying for revival in the land. You people. Lead the way, okay? There's a resurrection happening in Kentucky. All right. We have a wonderful morning planned. If it's half as good as what the Lord has planned, we're in really good shape. I want us to prepare ourselves for such, okay? I want to read to you from Isaiah 61. Paul said to Timothy, don't neglect the public reading of Scripture. I want you to listen to these words ring out in your heart and in your mind. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of the nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance, and you will inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. God's a big thinker, isn't he? Thinks big. He's got a big vision. Let's pray and prepare our hearts to enter his presence with worship. Good morning, Lord. We want to fellowship with you and you with us. We want to meet with you and honor you and respect you. May our cup runneth over this morning, as indeed we seek you. And thank you so much that you, Lord, are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. So we seek you, and we seek first your kingdom, and we seek first your righteousness. And all this other stuff just seems to take care of itself. We make you the object of our affection this morning. We look to you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We say, come, Lord, dine with us, feed us, fellowship with us. Oh, and inhabit, would you so kindly inhabit the praise of your people and everyone said, amen. Let's worship the Lord. All right, let's all stand if you will. Join us as we sing these hymns of the faith, amen. Let's all stand together and sing. Praise him, praise him. 
Maybe seated. Today is something that we affectionately call Harvest Sunday. So it's order of service a little different than maybe something you're used to in recent past. But it does have a profound purpose to it. Uh, this time, usually around this time of year, we have already, if not are about to have a vision rally down at uh, Western Carolina University with the uh, Bridge Church. Uh, that's not a reality this year, just weren't allowed to do that. But nonetheless, I thought it would be good to take this Sunday and dedicate it to kind of seeing where we are as a church, the state of the church, so to speak. And I've been prompted by the Lord to write a paper for you. And in that paper will be some of the things that I highlight today and some things I don't as to where I and the rest of the leadership see our church and where we see ourselves going as we follow the Lord this next year. Some pretty exciting things on the horizon. So you'll be receiving that next week, this uh, written paper, and they'll have a comprehensive report on our global missions and our local missions here and around the world. What I want to do now is, is make a point. It's a very important point to make. I make it often, but sometimes not with the clarity that maybe we could, and that is this. I've only been to two churches my whole entire life. That's all I know about church life. No expert on speaking about different denominations and churches. I have consulted with a lot of churches, but I've only really attended two. And the first one that I attended, I came to the Lord, and I sat on a pew just like you are right now, and I listened to people thunder on with the Word of God, and I felt like there were miles and miles and miles between me and them. And then I began to realize that it really wasn't supposed to be that way, that I, like you, am a priest. Maybe not vocationally, but I'm a priest and I'm a minister of the Lord. And, I, and, the, and the distance between the pew and the pulpit began to shrink, and I began to realize that's just one person trying to get all the other people prepared to do the work of the ministry. That's really how it's supposed to work. And if it gets inverted where the person standing here does all the ministry, boy, that's troublesome. It's not even biblical. You come in here on a Sunday morning, and my job is to somehow minister to you in such a way that you overflow into the lives of other people in the week ahead. 
in areas of your God-given sphere of influence that no one here at the church who works here could dare touch nor impact. You are the vessels, you are the conduits, you are the priests, you are the ministers. A priest is someone who talks to God about men and talks to men about God. That's you, and that's your job, and that's your calling, and that's the mantle that God's placed on you. So wherever he's placed you, he's placed you as a minister. Now, I, I'm just going to the next week going to summarize a little bit of where this church is going to go. And when we go there, we go there in mind with you are the people who are going to carry out the work of the ministry. And I, too, have a role to do that in my everyday daily life as well. But before we go into this next section of, of, uh, of worship, I want to hear your heart. I want to... I want to hear out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. I want you to think, we're going to give opportunity here in a few minutes for you, one at a time, however you feel led, not everybody necessarily, just to stand up and give praise to God, to share a scripture, or to, to say something uplifting and encouraging about what it means to be a child of the living God. All right, I want to give you that opportunity to do that. And I want you to think about it before you do. I want it to come from a deeper place than just on the top of your head. What are you grateful for? How are you blessed? How do you see God and how big is he and how wonderful is he? How splendid is he? And, and how are you interacting with him that you'd like the whole world to know about? This is your opportunity. It's a short 10, 15, 20 seconds is all it is. But it shows the rest of us. It shows one another what God is doing in each individual life and collectively what he's doing in his church, both here and around the world. So can we do that? We've done this before. You know how to do this. You feel led to say something, I just want you to stand up. And if you see someone standing up in front of you, you just wait till they're done and we'll go through this. So let's pray and then we'll do that to, together. Father, we, we are your vessels. We are the tabernacles in which you work. We are the ambassadors with whom and through whom you speak. We are the agents of reconciliation. We are the evangelists. We are the shepherds in the community. We are raising our children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. We are preparing the next generation. Share and encourage one another this morning as we collectively listen to each individual that stands and how they feel about you and how they trust you and how they love you and how they worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, just, I want you to share something as you feel led. Go ahead. And speak loudly. Thank you, Lord, for your availability. Amen. Oh, feelings mutual. Thank you, Elizabeth. Beautiful. Amen. Amen. Surely he's ministered the gospel to thousands 
and thousands of people around the world from one service when she was invited to be an online missionary. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Amen. Amen. As were we, as were we. Great couple, great couple of faith. Great ministers. May you, Lord, comfort all who mourn. And may we realize today grief is not a stopping point, but a passageway to healing. I thank you for that. Stanley. Thank you. Well said. Let the children come unto me, Jesus said. That's one of our highest priorities. Yes. That's the truth. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. What kind of works? Good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. Sandra. sets the captives free and provides release to the prisoners. It's true. Yes, Julie.
Amen, amen. One generation proclaimed the good news to another. Who would follow that? Fear not, for I am with you. Perfect love cast out fear. Very true. Anyone else? Colossians 127, Christ in you the hope of glory, and Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. Amen. Sounds like God's at work in each of our lives. One thing you don't have to say is we have one on the way. That's a given, and we understand that. You no longer have to announce that to anyone. That is a statistical probability in any calendar year going forward. Okay. Let's worship some more. Amen. Despairing cry from 
Okay, I'll write more about this in the paper, but this is a, you may be seated, thank you. This is a, an area of our church that I would, I put first because it's deeply important. It is never to be overlooked, and we're in danger as corporately overlooking it. When I got here over a, year, a decade ago, I seemingly introduced something to the church that I was a little taken aback that had been a surprise. It's, it's almost, it was a new thing, but it's hardly a new thing. It's an ancient thing, and that is fasting. I was overwhelmed by the initial introduction of fasting and calling the church to a fast for a week or 10 days or 21 days. But I did enjoy the way that the people responded to the different ways of fasting biblically, and then this growth and maturation in the fasting that kind of evolved where people realized this isn't a diet, this is a spiritual discipline. It is something that increases one's sensitivity to the presence of God. It'll deepen our walk with him. So that song that you just sang becomes even more meaningful, fasting. I think prayer and fasting are non-negotiables in the kingdom of God and for any church, it is absurd to think that a church can survive in this world under the assault of distraction and busyness and, and uh, deception and corruption and all the things that are taking place in our world today. But if you show me a church that fasts, I'll show you a church that overcomes. I'll show you a church that goes deep and that depth leads to maturity. Mark 9, 28 and 29 goes like this. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Now keep in mind, the three things that these disciples are called to do, cast out demons, heal the sick, and preach the good news of the kingdom. Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. What does that mean to us? It means that prayer is important, but prayer and fasting has its own place as well. There is a biblical priority by Jesus himself that's placed upon the exercising of fasting as a spiritual discipline and a habit in our life. He, he left fasting as a focal point with generosity and prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. His first public sermon highlighted the anonymity that is needed to pray, not like the pagans babbling on the street corner, to fast with oil in your head so someone, no one knows you're fasting, and to give, and to give anonymously. That is the mark of a disciple. If we are to create disciples at Community Bible Church, we can do so, but we have to do so with the presence of an ongoing practice of biblical fasting. Mark 5 and 17, but, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in a secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Going forward next year, I will, and the elders along with me, the other elders, will call the church to a season of fasting together. 
You can count on that. But what I'm suggesting as your pastor, now I'm no more a pastor to you than the the level that you'll allow me to be. But if you'll allow me to be, you'll you'll finish next year different than you are now. I'm suggesting as your pastor, I'm encouraging you, and I'm not leading a cult like telling you what to do, but I am saying this, I'm encouraging you to, to let fasting come into your household as a lifestyle, not just an event. We've done the event. I'm encouraging you on some level, and you're gonna have to get with the Lord on this, what fasting means for you in your household, but I think it's a day a week. I think it's a day a week set aside to pray and to not be busy, and it might be that for my family, it might be different from you. It may not be food, it may be something else. But we are in need of the practice of, in the 2021-22 era of the church, we need to be fasting. We need to know what that means. We need to be planning around it, not moving our fasting around our plans. We need to be people who fast. I have, I think I have anyway, I've attempted to sow the word of God into you almost 45 to 50 Sundays a year, and I've sowed that word into your soil and your good soil. It's now time to take it up a notch. We need to let fasting become a lifestyle, not an event. There's time for an event, but there's time for the ongoing practice of fasting. We'll talk more about that, and I want you to start to pray about that. If we're a biblical church, and I saw it on the sign, so I know we are. We're a biblical church. You know, a church with no sign is a sign of no church. And a church with a sign that says Bible on it better open up the Bible and do what it says. Or don't sing, trust, and obey. There's no other way. Like, if you're new here, if you haven't figured it out, we're kind of big on the Bible. It's kind of a big deal. We're big on community. We're big on church. But I think we would all would agree, and I'm speaking to, I'm preaching to the choir here. You are seasoned believers who know enough to know the direction this culture is headed. Please tell me you know that. You also know that we're a generation away from extinction. You know that too, right? Stanley knows it. He just got done talking about the importance of children's ministry. So what are we gonna do? Well, we're not going to leave. We're going to pick up a weapon and stand our posts. We're going to fight for what's right in the spiritual realm, not the physical realm. And we're going to pray and we're going to fast. You'll see more prayer in our services. You'll see more silence in our services. You'll see more reverent times in our services. But we are going to pray and we are going to fast because the Bible says pray and fast. And we're not going to bring a lot of attention to ourselves in the process. Prayer and fasting is the first area that I think we're really going to have to up our game, so to speak. Okay? And if we have fallen behind, whose fault is that? You're looking at it. You're looking at it. And I confess that. I take full responsibility but also take full responsibility to move forward, prayer and fasting. The second area is a fun one, it's a good one, and it has to be done right. 
as a result of prayer and fasting, I want us to experience more the presence and power of the Spirit of God, the manifest presence of God in our services, in our small groups, in our prayer meetings, in our personal devotion life. It's my responsibility to teach you things that some have not been taught before and to tell you of things that haven't been caught before as it pertains to you understanding, experiencing, even tangibly experiencing the presence of God. I am going to help coach you through that, as are others. And I want that to be something that is a serious, ongoing thing as it's coupled with our prayer and fasting going forward in this next year of ministry. Luke 5 and 17, and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Samaria and the power of the Lord was present to heal, to heal them. Mark 16 and 20, then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. For 12 years, you have maintained, some of you are so faithful, so loyal, so incredible. You have been like casting bread on the waters. You have had a spiritual, consistent, healthy, spiritual diet of the word of God and not much else. People uh, have, have tempted me to go beyond that, no. People have tempted me to go beneath that, no. Get somebody else, that's not happening here. I am a preacher of the word of God. Don't expect anything more or less of me than that. That is my job, that is my calling, that's what I do. I don't do more than that, I'll disappoint you and I'll never go beneath that. If I do, get me out of here as fast as you possibly can. But enough of the word has been sowed into you that the word that the Lord gave me is I'm gonna confirm that word with signs and wonders. I'm gonna confirm what you've planted and it's gonna grow up and you're gonna see that word and those promises confirmed. Already started actually. In terms of people being healed, relationships being healed, bodies being healed, minds being healed, people being set free of addictions, on and on and on. And there's a way to handle that. Most people don't know what that is. They mishandle it. There's a way to handle that. We'll navigate those waters as we get there. But God will confirm his word that he's planted in this congregation to those who are faithful to the church. You will begin to see his word confirmed. But his word confirmed in ways you haven't seen it confirmed before in people's bodies, in people's minds, in people's relationships, people's finances, and people's addictions will be eradicated and diluted in the power of the Spirit of God. Prayer and fasting, practicing the power and the presence of God, and the signs following that confirm the word will take place in this church by faith in the year ahead. Why hasn't it happened to this day? One, we haven't been told that by the Lord, and two, some of you have to be prepared to receive that so it's this container, this vessel keeps what God does here and it flourishes rather than someone else getting the glory, someone else getting the power, someone else getting this or that. And you'll see many opportunities in the year ahead of this ministry and that ministry, this is going on here, this is going on there. It's already started. 
Use discernment. As for this church, you will see God confirming his word as he said he would in terms of those areas as we fast and pray. One such testimony, a short testimony. I'm going to ask Christina, come up, and I want you to just share a brief testimony. This is kind of how it works. It's not a big deal in terms of big grand show. It's just a, it's just a natural flow of the church, of what happens in the church when God begins to confirm his word. I found out about this like a week or so afterward. I just thought you'd be interested in courage of what I mean and what the Lord means about this, this subject. I could burst, but I'm not going to. I'm healed. The second Sunday of September. Could you, Pastor Gary, could you come here, please? Would you tell them? Would you stop moving? A few weeks back, uh, you were coming to church with a heart monitor, right? You weren't breathing right. No breathing. Apparently, breathing is important. And uh, a couple of people, Lisa, was kind of concerned about you getting to the pew when you walked up the hill. We live on a hill up here. Have you noticed that? It's like... And at the end of a service, we uh, closed in a, just a kind of a semi-usual way. We prayed for healing for people. And uh, I had no idea you were having an issue whatsoever. So um, I asked people to raise their hand, which you didn't do. So don't, if I ask you to raise your hand, don't ever raise your hand. I would love to. So I was praying, and this is really weird, and I, I have a hard time talking about this because I don't truly understand it. I don't have to understand it. And you don't have to understand everything either, by the way. Um, I stood up here and I was praying, and I ran out of breath. I was like, I looked down at my shoes. I had boots on, I think, that day, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I can't breathe. I'm, like, out of breath. Like, I got nothing. And that's when you started to breathe. I don't know what, what that means. But, okay, so tell us what happened last night. Let's, let's, let's put, this, put this to rest. Okay, so Lisa can testify. Melanie can testify. Others who saw me that Sunday. I mean, and holding on. But I believed what Gary had been talking about. Our pastor's heart is here. And he believes, he believes strongly what God said he would do. And that's all he was doing was following the Lord and asking, asking for healing for those who needed healing. So simple, so sweet, so profound. I walked in, I had been struggling for weeks. I had to wear a heart monitor. I had passed out in the parking lot talking to a friend on the second Sunday of this month. Uh, I'm sorry, the first Sunday. Passed out in the parking lot. Anyway, long story, went to the hospital, was there four days. A lot went on and I had taken the vaccines. Won't go there. That Sunday, I knew I needed help. I walked in, talked to Lisa, went and sat down, and the next thing you know, look what comes. 
And I sat there and I was so locked in with the Lord. And I believed. My heart was full. He lost his breath. It was like testifying to what God was doing to someone. We were in the presence of the Lord so fully. And I can tell you, when I sucked in, I could hold it. I knew I was changed. And I left here breathing. I left here, I left here full of the breath of God. I still am. Karen can talk about yesterday, walking to those hellish stairs in Glenville and coming up at the top of the stairs and going, <gasps> it was wonderful. I want to say that there was somebody here besides myself on that particular Sunday, the second Sunday of September, and you were healed. I don't know what was going on, but I knew it was not just me. I didn't just touch the edge of his garment. He breathed, and I received it. So did you. So please recollect, look back. But what is going to happen in this church is going to be so big, so wonderful, and it doesn't take you to come in with any big explosions of, you need joy, you need healing. It's going to be here, and that river, get into it. Love you all. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, if the ushers, usher would come forward, we're going to worship the Lord giving of our tithes, our tenth and our offerings. And then we're going to move into another set of worship. Been so faithful. Included in uh, this written report will be a financial report from last year. I think you'll find it just nothing but encouraging. Let's pray over our offering. Father, you've not overlooked us. You've provided for us and our family and our children and our children's children and even our great-great-grandchildren. You're so good to us. Thank you for blessing us. How could we not? How haughty that would be to withhold from you that which you ask. How could we even think about that? We give for the upbuilding of the kingdom of God, both here and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this morning as you give. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
stand together and sing some more hymns, if you will.
I've talked on enough. We'll cover these other few sections. There's some, there's some key points in the future of our church that are, really have to be addressed at some point in time. But I just want to share my heart with you for a second. Uh, I, I have seen an increase of a kind of vernacular about the church, the big church, that has always been there, but it's becoming more and more prevalent. People get down on the church. They, this comes from all walks of life. The church is what God's, in God's economy, he instituted. He said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But what does that tell you? It means that the gates of hell will attempt. Why else would he bring it up? What really will happen in the days ahead if this increases is those who follow Christ and truly love his bride and understand that we are his bride, they'll become further, further solidified in growing the kingdom through the church. I've been told I have a religious spirit. I've been told this, I've been told that. I've heard it all. But at the end of the day, the more that increases, the, the more I have a peace about what God is doing within the church. That having been said, I, I strongly encourage you, as it pertains to this particular local church, I highly recommend you consider what I'm about to say. Is the church here for you, or are you here for the church? And the answer is both. This is a place where you come to have your personal needs met, to learn to grow, how to walk personally with Christ. It, it's, it's a way you overcome strongholds and difficulties in your life, and it's a way you get through grief, and it's a way you get through all these trials that come our way, sicknesses and illnesses. But the church is also beyond ourselves. It's, um, it's something that we have to sow into because it's God's agent for change and transformation in the world and the proclamation of the gospel, what he instituted. And that should change over time. It shouldn't always just be about us personally. It should be about what can we do for our church. It increases a loyalty to the church, a devotion to the Lord in the context of the church and the fellowship of the church. I'll go on in and, and more, uh, more detail later, but there will be prevalent, much more prevalent opportunities to serve in the church, to give up one's time, talent, and treasure and spiritual gifts in the church. It's time to really make a decision going forward. Am I just attending a church or am I the church? And you know, the people I'm looking at, you know what I'm talking about. How do we bless her? How do we help her? How do we help her grow in the most holy faith? 
how do we make our lives matter together? These are things that we're gonna have to really flesh out. But for now, I think the point was made, and I think I've been obedient to what I was asked to share with you. The Lord wants us praying a little bit more than we have. And it's not about quantity, but quality. He wants us fasting, because he's asked us to do that. We'll move in that direction, because he said so. He's also promised us his presence and his power to heal the sick, to restore the broken walls, for deliverance. He's promised us that. And he's gonna confirm the word that's been sown in you for over a decade. That to me is exciting. And this is something that ought to humble us because I think when God looks at this church, he's pleased in many ways. I think when he looks at this church, he's also displeased in a couple to whatever extent I'm involved in that, I will rectify those situations. We're not perfect, but we are the vessels of Jesus Christ on this hill, in this community. And there's some things going on, some, some plans and some that I'll share with you that greatly affect not only this plateau, but many plateaus as it pertains to suicide and drug overdoses in this region of the world, it's enough. We are on a mission to do something about it. And I want you to go along with us together, amen? I think we got one more set, do we not? I also need to say this. This last 18, 19 months, which really felt like 36 or 37, was difficult on a lot of people. And you're probably not aware of it. But we owe a debt of gratitude to, to uh, our worship team, uh, that are here tonight and, and today. <laughs> Lori and Chris Vanderweel and uh, my wife has been organizing these the best she can. There's been sicknesses, there's been ups and downs and vacancies. It's hard. This is not easy. This is a weekly thing, sometimes a Saturday night thing. And, and as we pray and fast, I want us to pray for God to clearly make known to us how we proceed with our worship team or do we add to it, what do we do? But we deeply appreciate all of your work, Maddie, Avery, Jeb, all of you, and those who aren't here. Uh, there's been sicknesses, illnesses, COVID, COVID and uh, mothers with cancer, family members with COVID. We've had it all up here. And if anybody's been assaulted, it's our worship team. But, so we should be appreciative of their effort. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh, I meant to mention this. Uh, did I say anything about prayer and fasting? Yeah, I think I did. Tonight at six o'clock, it just so happens. This is unbelievable. What a coincidence. I have holy goosebump. We have a prayer meeting at six o'clock. The time to go home and rest, enjoy your afternoon, and come back to the house of God. About an hour. Pray for our personal walks. Pray for our church. Pray for our country. Pray for the world. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. Well, tonight we have such a prayer meeting. I want to encourage you to come back, relax, get a nice afternoon, and come back and come to the house of God. When everyone else is doing whatever they're doing, we'll be right here grabbing the horns of the altar, praying through some issues. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. And I want to encourage you to be here in the Lord. All right, let's close out with some worship, and then we'll go home.
let's enjoy your afternoon. I encourage you to be back at 6. We're going to do some praise, some worship, and we're going to do some praying. Amen? You're dismissed. Love you in the Lord.